The Beaux-Arts Photography Podcast with Alan and Natalie Brio. So what are we going to talk about today? Your new toy? Yes, the iPad. <laughs> so uh, tell us about the new iPad, because I've noticed that you have been playing around with this for days compared to the iPod that was sitting in the library. Yeah, the iPad <laughs> got uh, left behind. Oh. It was too small. <laughs> <laughs> So what are some of the things that you really like about your new iPad? It's bigger. Definitely. So size does matter. Size matters a lot, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think, you know, the size is the biggest difference for me. It doesn't do things that the iPad couldn't do. It just allows you to do them while seeing what you're doing. You're multiplying the screen size by, I don't know, eight, you know, or six. It's huge. It's a huge difference. Yeah. But even when you're reading those... Um, do they call them ebooks? You can blow up the text large or even the Marvel comics that you can read yeah. on the iPad. You can isolate, you know, each section of the comic. They're almost at the, at the original size. And, and eventually, I think, you know, the iPad is a reading device. And when you think about the size of comic books or the size of newspapers or the size of books, they are there for a reason. You know, comic books have a particular size. Books have a particular size. Newspapers have a particular size. When you go to a computer, everything is the same size. It's the size of your screen. And obviously, if you take a book that, let's say, 8.5 by 11, you know, page size, letter size, and you reduce it to a screen that's 2 inches by 4 inches or something like that, it's not the same experience. And even though we can blow it up and look at it in sections, it still doesn't give you the same experience. And this brings it a little bit closer to the same experience. For some books, it's about the same size. For other books, it's still smaller. And for newspapers, it's way smaller. But yeah. um, it's already bigger and it's better. Well, some of the applications that I've used, I really like it. They're, they're easy to use. And I just like the way you can just move your finger across, you know, to the next page or just scroll down. I didn't really feel comfortable using the iPod much, um, you know, doing that circular button motion. Well, I didn't the, feel very comfortable Right, but using that was only that. on the first iPod, the one that had just the music. The second one was a touchscreen one. Oh, But we did it? not have it because I refused to upgrade to another small device. I mean, I don't like small screens. You know, I, I could very well live with an iPad that would have a larger screen. You know, I wouldn't say twice the size, but let's say one half more size would be fine for me. Yeah, I have no intent on putting it in my pocket. <laughs> you know, right. so it doesn't matter right. to me. Yeah. No, I like the little planner in here. You know, because I'm a planner person. I have to write down everything, and the application in here is really easy to use, and um, I just really like it. The maps, the application for the maps is really good. Yeah, let's fire it up and look at it. Um, you know, it is the first hand-operated computer. I mean, totally finger-operated computer. I don't consider the iPad to be a computer. It's too small. I mean, uh, this is, to me, the first uh, computer that's totally finger-operated. That is, everything is done by touch. You know, we don't use a mouse. Uh, we don't use voice commands, although I think it might be possible. I'm not sure. We don't use a stylus. We just use our finger. You know? Yes. And that's really, to me, one of the main differences between the iPad and, let's say, a desktop computer or even a laptop computer. A laptop, you use a keyboard and you use a mouse. I or you use a, a tracking pad. 
Here, everything is done by touch screen. Yeah, I think that's what makes it so, you know, fun. And interactive. And, yeah, and like you said, you don't feel like you're working when you're on the iPad as opposed to sitting at your computer. Yeah, the difference for me between the iPad and, let's say, a, a laptop, which I don't like laptops, is when I use a laptop, I feel that I'm working. When I use the iPad, I feel that I'm having fun. And um, for all things intended, I haven't worked on the iPad so far. <laughs> and I don't really plan to. I don't see it as a work tool. I think it's very convenient to have to put notes down when you're in the field uh, because, you know, you don't have to go back and open your, your computer. But uh, I'm not sure that to me that's a work tool. I think it's more like a fun recreation thing, you mm -hmm. know. I always say that we go from one screen to another. You know, we go from the computer to the TV to the phone to the iPad and to the iPad. And the difference is what we do on all of these screens. You know, on the computer, we work. On the TV, we just watch movies or, you know, relax and watch a show. On the phone, you know, you would obviously call people or do email. And I think that on the iPad, you're going to read, you're going to entertain yourself, and you're going to relax. Yeah, I well, don't you, see the iPad as being a tool. You for were work. listening to NPR and also the uh, classical music station while reading and doing other things at the same time, which was really nice. Yeah, one of the things, I mean, I've been waiting for the iPad for a long time, personally, because I wanted a device that was large enough that I could read what was on it without having to, you know, stress myself. And that I could see enough of the list of things when it comes to music or movies or photographs that I would not have to scroll endlessly, you know, or the phone becomes too small. I think, you know, it's also a factor of age. If you are 18 or 20 and you have perfect vision, the iPhone or the iPad might work perfectly because you're going to see these things in very small type without any problems. As you get older, you want bigger type. It's really a matter of having the choice of having a bigger device, you know, because a bigger device means that you have bigger fonts, you can see more things, it's easier to read. You know, that's, I think, one of the main things. And, uh, you know, like I said, I've been waiting for an iPad for a long time because it's hard for me to go from my desktop where I can see things on a 20 or 30 inch screen to a two by three inch screen, <laughs> you know, that's a real problem. I mean, besides the vision aspect, you know, whether we have perfect vision or not, there's really the problem of moving from a very large screen to a ridiculously small screen. If I go from my monitor to my TV, we have 60 inch TVs. It's not a problem. I mean, I think we have one that's 50 inch and we have one that's 60 inch. You go from large to large, right? But when you go from your monitor or your TV to the iPhone or the iPad, you go from large to very small. And I think that here you go from large to medium size. Mm -hmm. And I think that's nice. Yeah. I, I can live with that. And I wouldn't mind if this thing was another, you know, half times larger. But as it is, it's very, very practical. And, uh, you know, you can look at the list of songs in your iTunes library very easily because right. you have a long list. You know, you, you can see enough of it that it makes sense. Mm -hmm. You can look at the list of uh, publications. You can look at the list of movies, you know, whatever you have. You know, you can see enough photographs. You know, if you look at your album of photographs, you can see maybe 10 or 20 different albums at once. It's nice, you know. There is that matter of convenience that comes with size, you know. Well, and the and website looks great on it. Yeah, browsing 
on the iPad is fantastic. I mean, the only problem is a site that use Flash. It doesn't display Flash. But, you know, my site, for the most part, does not use Flash. It only uses Flash galleries. And I haven't checked if they would open or not. But for the most part, my site does not use Flash. So there's no problem logging on. And uh, it's, it's a fantastic experience. I mean, it resizes everything. It just looks, you can see it full page. It actually does something that uh, the monitor doesn't do. It resizes the site to an iPad size. I like the fact that it's uh, Wi-Fi because we have an airport in our house, which means we can go anywhere. Yeah, even you in know. the yard. Yeah. The airport has power enough to go, you know, I don't know, maybe 500 feet around the house easily. I mean, I can surf the web from the yard, you know, or from the bottom of the driveway, and no problem. You know? Yeah, but if you go to a hotel or whatever, you can use this anywhere in the hotel, probably. Well, you can use it anywhere you have Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. yeah. You can suddenly use that in a hotel. You can use it, uh, you know, any location where there's Wi-Fi, a restaurant, an airport, you know, anywhere. It logs on automatically. The fantastic thing with Apple devices is that they find the airport by themselves. Mm -hmm. And they find your password by itself. So you don't have to enter anything. The way you fire up the iPad after you buy it and you open the box is you connect it to your computer with iTunes. And from the connection with iTunes, it's going to download everything that you have in your iTunes library. But it's also going to download, if you want, your browser bookmarks, you know, from oh, Safari. Yeah. Right. And it's going to br- download your password for your airport or for your li- wireless network. And also the connection information for your email. And, and all of that is done through iTunes, which means that if you buy an iPad, you cannot have just an iPad. You have to have a computer. And you have to have iTunes installed on that computer, and iTunes is free, so if you don't have it, you can install it on your computer. Because the iPad doesn't work by itself. If you buy an iPad, you can't just press the button and turn it on. It won't fire up until it has been connected to iTunes, and until it has downloaded all the information that it needs from your computer. And then, after that, you just power it up, and everything is in there. You have your bookmarks for your browser, you have all the information as far as passwords to log on to your home network through the airport extreme and you have information for email and for whatnot you know none of that has to be entered by yourself so you don't have to program your ipad as long as your computer has all of that done the ipad is going to take the information from the computer and it will make it work so you have nothing to do it's it's automatic i mean literally it's plug and play you plug it into your computer it downloads all the information from itunes and then you just go and use it Mm mm-hmm so, two different computers couldn't use one iPad. You would need one for each computer. Yeah, because every time you're going to connect it to a computer, it's going to update itself based on the iTunes setting of that computer. Oh, okay. So, for example, if you connect this one to your computer right. instead of my computer, it's going to duplicate whatever is on your iTunes software, right. which is going to be different from mine. Right. And basically, let's say you have 100 songs on yours and I have 1,000 on mine. Right. It's going to erase all 1,000 songs and replace them with your 100 songs. So, you, so you would you would actually constantly go backwards, you know. Right. So, yeah, it, it's actually a good question. You want to sync it with the same computer all the time. Right. Uh, it's called syncing when you connect it to your computer. So you're gonna have to buy me one then. I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm, afraid <laughs> I'm just so. joking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I need one too. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's the problem. The iPad is addictive. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, no. I've noticed you've been addicted to it the last and few And I've days. seen that you, it's hard for you to let it go. Who, me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I like it. It's just so light and it's very nice. It's fun. It's a it fun is. thing. And it has a sort of mysterious quality to it because you can add all these apps, you know, one at a time. And you download them from the Apple site through iTunes. And the apps are really what makes the iPad what it is because every iPad eventually is different because not everybody has the same apps. Everybody eventually has different apps. And a number of them are free. You know, a number of apps are free. And then a number of apps, you know, you have to buy. But when you're used to buying software like photographers are used to, right. you know, like Photoshop, which is anywhere from 300 to, you know, $1,200 or who knows what. I mean, it's hundreds of dollars. And you now buy iPad apps. You're looking at 99 cents to I think the most expensive is $13 and that would be the elements this one here the elements I like that one which is fantastic and the reason why it's so expensive you know relatively speaking I mean $13 when you're used to buying software for thousands or hundreds of dollars is nothing but the reason why it's more expensive than the others is because it has so much information I think the elements is over one gigabyte for an iPad app that's a lot a lot of information because you know the iPad is a 64 gigabyte machine at the highest right and there right. is lower quantity uh, lower smaller hard drives uh, versions and and the interesting thing about elements is that it's really the table of elements with examples right that is you're not just looking at the elements you're also looking at you know what you can do with the elements you know the uh, the examples of objects like hey i'm looking at gold gold and it shows us objects made of gold you know and then you can continue to the next one you know which is uh, mercury and you can literally you know sort of play with it you know it, it's very very interactive i mean when you think back about the classrooms where we studied as as kids right and the table of elements on the wall being just letters and numbers Right. This is revolutionary. This is makes you know learning much more fun. Oh right? yeah, and I like the Mercury one because it shows it's the movement good. of Mercury, how it moves, the f how it flows. It gives you a feel for what that element is. Right. It doesn't just show you; it gives you a feel of it. It's revolutionizing. I mean, there's no doubt that in the gold nugget, you could see it in three dimensional. Right. Because it, it rotates and all. Because it makes use of what this device can do, which is not just show you text and photographs, but also motion, mm -hmm. movement. You know. So you, you're incorporating everything at once. Eventually, the iPad in a way, is an extension of HyperCard, you know, the stacks, you know, that came up in uh, the mid-80s, you know. The concept of hypermedia, where we have text, movies, audio, you know, video, uh, whatnot. This is making all of that completely incorporated into a device that's basically designed to show that, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it does a fantastic job. I mean, it's, it's just fantastic. The next level is to take these elements and be able to rotate like the gold nugget here. Because right. I can't really rotate it, you know, it's sort of fixed, you know. You, know, you mean you rotating it on your own? I'd like to, but yeah. I can't, yeah. I'd like to rotate it, yeah. But, you know, there's always something else. I mean, we always want more, you know, but uh, eventually, you know, it's very exciting as it is. I mean, there's no, no doubt, you know. 
Yeah, I like that uh, application a lot. It's a lot yeah. of fun. Well, and, and you I, also just learn so much about the elements, right. you know, and their properties. Exactly, and, and it's fun. And you don't really have to go and study because the, the difference between, I think, the iPad and the book is that a book resides on a shelf. I mean, we have a library. We right. have, you know, I don't know how many, but maybe a thousand books. You know, I, I haven't counted them. If I want a book on gold, I'm going to have to search, you know, even though the library is organized, I'm going to have to find the right shelf and the right book and open it at the right page, right? And then sit down and read the book. Well, here, all I have to do is press on the little icon for elements and then press on AU for gold and I'm done. And all of that takes, what, one two seconds? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the speed is really one of the big factors here. Eventually, you get to the same level, to the same goal you have access to the information. But the speed at which you can get that information is really remarkable. There is a dictionary in here, right? Yeah, there's a dictionary and a thesaurus. Which um, are completely free. These are free apps from the Apple Store. And those are things that I use regularly. Right, so if we go so. to the dictionary, you know, press on the dictionary, dictionary.com, mm-hmm. it logs on the internet, okay? So you have to have the Wi-Fi, but the, the iPod requires Wi-Fi. And on the bottom, I think, is the thesaurus. Yeah. There's um, buttons down there. And then, you know, you bring up the keyboard. You go into the search box, and you bring up the keyboard. And I'm going to type gold, right, just to follow up on what we had before. Press search. And now it's going to search for the word gold. And immediately you have the answer, you know. It gives you, you know, the definition and so on. And, of course, you can type any word you want. And let's say we want a most complex word, you know, some word that we don't know the meaning of. Same thing. We type the name. It goes, searches, and brings you the result. Compared to using a dictionary in book form, this is way faster. Oh, definitely. Much <laughs> because, faster. again, you have to get yeah. to the shelf, pick up the dictionary, which, of course, is going to weigh like five pounds, if not more, bring it down, find the right page, find the word gold, and then finally read the, the thing. You, you spend several minutes. Here you spend, what, a second, two seconds, you know? Yeah, it's very fast. It's a, it's a fantastic tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just I just saw an app today which I haven't downloaded, which is a Wikipedia uh-huh. version for the iPad. And I use Wikipedia a lot because it's the Internet Encyclopedia. Right. And so you, with that app, which is free, you just click on it, and you access Wikipedia directly. And, of course, you can access it through Safari. You can go Safari and then Wikipedia. Right. And you but have the, the Weather Channel. I like that application, too. You have the Maps. And, again, the thing with the iPad, which is very important to understand, and I think, to me, that answers a lot of the things that I've heard, is the iPad doesn't do anything that you can't do with another computer. I mean, everything that it does, you can do with your laptop, right? Right. The difference between the iPad and a laptop or a desktop is how it does it. Mm-hmm. Let's say a book, for example. We like to read a book in vertical format. Laptops are horizontal. If you want to see a book vertical on a laptop, you've got to tilt the laptop, which means that the keyboard is now vertical and it looks really weird, right? The iPad is designed to be rotated. Which uh, application were we looking at that had dictation where you could record dictation and it types it 
out for you? That's we uh, Dragon ar- Software. Oh, Dragon. we were playing around yeah. with that, and it works really well. I was actually quite surprised. However, you have to say the punctuation at the end of whatever sentence you say. Right, but if you go on the Dragon website, they give you that information. There oh, do like, they? Yeah, there's actually uh, tutorials, and you don't have to just say period. You can say M dash, you can say parentheses, quote, unquote, all of that. Oh, okay. You have to speak as if you were typing. Right. But the interesting thing is that Dragon Software does exist for the PC. It's, it is one of the very best... Uh, transcription software where you speak and then it turns it into words it doesn't work very well on the mac because of the kind of processor that the mac is using but because the ipad uses a different type of processor it actually works better on the ipad and so you know what you do is you basically speak into the microphone and i've tried it and even with an accent it's recognizing what i'm saying right you know and when you're done speaking you say transcribe and it will turn it into words and types the text on the page and then you email that text to yourself and you can enter it into a word processor and that saves an enormous amount of time and again one of the main aspects of the ipad is saving time you know so does the ipad you can change it to different languages too the transcribing? No, I mean the whole... The interface? Like, yeah, the interface like French or German or... Um. There's really no interface to the iPad. If you look at the iPad, there is no system software with words. I mean, there's obviously system software, but all of the system software is, is from the apps. Mm. See, if you look at the iPad itself, right, the, the starting menu, all it says is iPad on the top left corner, the, date, the time in the middle, and then the battery percentage on the right, and that's it. Right. It has nothing else. There's no menu. All the menus come from the apps. So whether we can have this in a foreign language or not depends on the apps makers. Oh, I see. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, that now, makes Right sense. now, to my knowledge, all of the apps are in English. But I see no reason why later on there wouldn't be apps in different languages. Mm-hmm. I think that the app manufacturers or the, the writers of the software are really targeting the biggest audience. And obviously, it's the English-speaking audience. But I think that eventually, you know, we'll have... Uh, apps from all over the place yeah yeah when you said on saturday you wanted to go to the apple store i was like oh no because i had been reading on the internet people standing in line for hours and hours and hours and when you you said uh Saturday afternoon, like at one thirty or 2 o'clock, you wanted to go to the Apple store. I was like, oh, no, you know, there's going to be these huge lines. And we walked right in and, you know, we walked right up to one and, you know, you could uh, start playing around with it right away. I mean, there was no waiting line or, you know, and that was in Phoenix. Well, actually, Glendale. But uh, I was surprised. Well, yeah, and I did not want to reserve one. And that's how they worked. You reserved one and then you could go to the Apple store and get one. And what happened is I actually got one from somebody who reserved it and did not buy it. And I got the 64 megabyte, a gigabyte version, which is the one I wanted. Yeah, you um, said uh, you recommended getting this one because it's good for, with, for photographs. Is that what you well, were saying? I mean, you know, money is different for all of us. You know, what's a lot for somebody is not a lot for somebody else. The difference between the smallest capacity iPad and the largest capacity iPad is $200. It's four ninety nine. That's true. Four seventy. I think no. Four ninety nine and six ninety nine. Four ninety nine, five ninety nine, six ninety nine. There's three of them. Correct. The, the highest capacity is sixty four gigabyte. When you do photography, which is what we do, and you're going to use this to store, you know, photographs, obviously, but I'm also using it to store PDFs that have a little portfolio of photographs. You get to a gigabyte real quick. And I'm also using it to store movies because uh, now cameras can record movies. I'm using it to record text, you know, uh, audio. And then, of course, I store a lot of songs on it. I think that you're going to get to 64 gigabytes real quick. 
if you use this route, which I think we are, you know, it looks like we are using it more than we've ever used the iPod. You know, so, to me, it almost looks like a P2000, the Epson uh, P2000, mm-hmm. you know, how we right. we would look at the photographs, you know, mm-hmm. as little thumbnails. It, it kind of looks like that to me. It's a P2000 on steroids because, <laughs> first of all, the, the photo quality is higher. I mean, yeah. the, these screens are beautiful. They are full color. They are large. And it's fast. The P2000 or the P6000, you know, whatever Epson uh, downloading device you have, are very, very slow. And the screens are small. The colors are not that great. I mean, it's a completely different experience. And many just does that. That's the other thing. See, one of the advantages of this is that it does everything. So you don't need 50 different devices. Because one of the problems of digital is, you know, you need a GPS in your car, you need the P2000 or 4000 to download your photos, then you need an iPad to put your songs on and then whatnot, you know. This has everything. I mean, we can use this as a GPS. It has maps and it knows the location because it has a GPS built in. And the map is big enough that we can actually navigate it. Because, you know, the problem I have, again, with small GPS and small screens is you want to see where you are while you're looking at a screen that's one inch by two inches if you have a big one, right? Mm-hmm. And it's ridiculous. I mean, how can you navigate with such a small screen? It's not convenient. Well, I like the way that you can shrink the screen and enlarge it by, you know, putting your index finger and pinching. your thumb, pinching it closer right. together or, yeah. or, you know, spreading your mm-hmm. thumb and your index finger apart, you know. I, I well, think that's I think fun. The, the iPad is bringing to the computer user a whole new range of motion with our hands. The pinching, the stretching, the flipping, you know, going right. from one screen to another. Right. scrolling down. The scrolling down. None of that was things that we were doing before. Mm-hmm. I mean, on a normal computer, even a laptop, you use the mouse or you use the keypad, the tracking pad, and, right. and the keyboard. Well, even the drawing application right. to, to draw certain lines, you know, you mm-hmm. use two fingers or three fingers or one finger or, you know, in that drawing application that you were playing with earlier, you know. The programmers can become very creative. Yeah. One finger, two fingers, three fingers, you know. <laughs> and maybe they show you how to position right. them. And Anyways, really, I think we're just scratching the surface because we have two hands. And right now, these apps are really making use of one finger and at the most three fingers. But we have ten fingers, you know. And so we can possibly conceive of applications that are going to make use of the ten fingers right. for very complex things. And what this one does, and I think that's uh, Sketch, I think. That's the name of it. The drawing one? Yeah. Um, I think so. Sketchbook? Yes, Sketchbook Sketchbook. has one function where you need to put three fingers on the screen in order to do uh, what you want. And it brings the menus. If you put one finger on the screen, nothing happens. Two fingers on the screen, nothing happens. But if you put three fingers and you let it go, the menu comes up. Right. And then you can let the menu go. And that's how, basically, you bring the menu up, you know. And I think the reason for that is because they realize that you're going to draw with one finger. So if one finger drawing would bring the menu, it wouldn't work because you'd be bringing the menu all the time. Right. When you draw with one finger, you can very easily put two fingers on the screen by accident. So they thought, we're going to have three fingers. And it doesn't matter which ones, right? It's irrelevant as long as it's three fingers. We're going to make it three fingers to bring the menu because there's very few chances that you would do it accidentally, right? Because when you draw, you can very well have mm. another finger dragging around. Right next to you and i like the way that uh you can tap on right. your screen the you tapping know. sure i like yeah. that and yeah. the tapping in particular areas like with uh with this one 
you tap in the middle, it's going to get rid of the menus, right? I so so it's a different area. I think the iPad really addresses all of your senses, you know. Well, it doesn't address the sense of smell. <laughs> no, but as far as, you know, there's a lot of touching, a lot of interaction there. It's very tactile, there, yes. Yeah. You know, whereas, very... you know, you're like, don't touch my computer screen, <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas here, you know, you're constantly right. touching it to the point where when the screen goes black, you see all these fingerprints, you know. <laughs> right, right. Well, it redefines the paradigm that we've been using in regard to computers because exactly like you said, one of the no-nos when you have a big expensive monitor is to touch it with your fingers. And that's because they're hard to clean. Right. You know? This one seems, the iPad seems easy to clean. Because it has a glassy surface, which yeah. is scratch-proof. Yeah. But, you know, obviously with the iPad, if you're afraid to touch it, then you're never going to get anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> because you have to touch it. I mean, this is something yeah. you have to get up close and personal with, you know. Yeah, um, I wonder what happens if you had a dog hit it with its nose. <laughs> it, it would start an app. It wouldn't know what to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, the interesting thing is you can't use... Let's say a regular pen, you know, I have some Montblanc fountain pens and they have very soft ends. So I thought I would use them to touch the iPad and it doesn't work. You have to touch it with your finger because your body has a little bit of electricity that is required to make the iPad work. If you touch it with an inert object like a plastic pen, it doesn't work because there's no condition of, of electricity. I wonder if somebody's going to come up with a stylus that we can use on the iPad because drawing with a stylus to me is more natural than Finish. drawing with my finger. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, you know, I understand finger painting, but, you know, the painters that I respect did not use their fingers. They used pen brushes, you know. Right, right. <laughs> you know, right. and so I think I'd like to have a stylus to do a proper job. Right. But uh, that's up to come. And obviously, you know, there hasn't been much development done yet because we are just two days into the life of the iPad, you know. So it's uh, it's very, very recent. Well, keep us updated on the uh, iPad yeah. And the applications <laughs> that you use, because I know you're going to be, uh, I won't see this for uh, for a while. <laughs> well, you have three screens, and on each screen you can put 20 apps. So potentially you can put 60 apps, plus five in the dark, so uh, six on the dark, so 66 apps. Wow. You can store on your iPad, and then after that, you have to get rid of some to, and replace them with others. Oh, okay. But I have some room left. And, you know, my recommendation, if you get an iPad, is to just go on the App Store and download everything that strikes your fancy, especially if they're free, because there's really no reason not to have them. And a lot of apps will have a free trial version that gives you some of the applications capabilities and then later on you can upgrade to the full version and then you know even if you have to buy some i mean they are anywhere from 99 cents to on average i think the most as i said is 13 dollars but usually you can get some very good ones for 3.99 i mean the problem is you know we start to think differently but it's really almost given away you know? oh definitely yeah. i agree and the number of apps are extremely good and there's going to be many many more oh yeah know? i'm sure and a lot of them are free npi is free for example mm -hmm. which means that you can listen to radio to national public radio on your ipad i mean i've listened to radio for a very very long time you know i listen to radio a lot in france one of the things is how do you upgrade the radio, you know, from the radio as we knew it, you know, as a tube or a transistor thing to the modern computer age, right? And I think that the iPad is the answer, you know. It will wirelessly give you access to the programming. And then the nice thing is you don't have to listen to them live. 
If you miss it, you just go on the NPR website and you can listen to the back issue, so to speak. Right, right. <laughs> That's nice. You know, the yeah. iPad speaker is not very good, but you can plug in, you know, whatever headphones you want and make it, uh, you know, Well, you, you plugged enjoyable. it in to the... What did you plug it into in the library? You can plug it in any stereo that has a... Because um, it sounded pretty good in track. there. Well, I have a $1,000 computer uh, playing system, so it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. Better <laughs> sound good. <laughs> yeah, it, it better sound good or I'm going to file a complaint, yes. <laughs> yeah. But all we need is a small jack and you can plug it in, you know. So is there anything else you want to say well, about the iPad? Well, I think for, for iPad, this uh, particular you podcast, you know, which is the first podcast on the iPad, I think we're going to stop here. But definitely we will most likely record at least one more podcast on the iPad because I think there is a lot more to be said about it. And, you know, as soon as we have more experience, it's going to be worth talking about it in more in-depth maybe. Yeah. Um, and also, and maybe also what you use it for, you know, because I think it's going to start to get personalized, you know. Well, I, I do this and I do that, you know. And well, I haven't used it for anything photography so far. Because I, <laughs> as I said, have you worked the last few days? <laughs> yeah, I have iPad. I, I iPad. Yeah, yeah. No, but I think to me, the iPad is not really a tool to work on photographs. I can do a far better job using Photoshop or Lightroom. Oh, I agree. Whatever program I'm using on my main computer. It's a great device to show my work to people as I will, you know, move around. Right. You know, and the website. And, yeah, right. show your website. Uh, it does a better job than an iPhone because you could do it on an iPhone, but it was so small, you know. And you don't have to carry a pile of prints. This is basically like showing people 8 by 10 prints, more or less, but you don't have to carry 8 by 10 prints. You just carry an 8 by 10 iPad, you know. Right. I think that eventually we might get to the point where you choose your iPads based on size. I'd like a 5 by 7 iPad or an 8 by 10 or a 16 by 20 iPad. You know, the price is adjusted proportionally to the size. I see that as a very good possibility. So, yeah, we'll record more iPad um, podcasts in the future. And for the time being, I hope you enjoy this uh, podcast. And if you have any questions, you can just email us at uh, alan at beautifullandscape.com or go to my website and uh, visit the new area of my site called Reflections where you can read some of my experiences with the iPad and you can also post questions on reflections directly. And uh, if you go to my website, which is beautiful-landscape.com, you'll have the link to reflections from there. So until next time, I hope you enjoyed this podcast and stay tuned for more very soon.